We're through 60 Minutes and Beyond. This is the Flames Talk Post Game Show, now available on Apple and Spotify. Here's Pat Steinberg. All right, final score, Vancouver 3, Flames 1, to wrap up the preseason on this Friday night as we kick things off on our Flames Talk Post Game Show. It's Pat Steinberg along with you, and let's head back to Rogers Arena in Vancouver right now and check in with Rasmus Anderson for some post-game thoughts. Uh, Rasmus, preseason now done. Just uh, your thoughts on this final game of the preseason tonight? Yeah, uh, nice that the preseason is done. Um, <laughs> you know, it feels always uh, a little long towards the end, but um, yeah, I felt like we were maybe a little bit too casual today. We were a little bit too spread out. We uh, It felt like we didn't really play as, uh, play as connected as we should, uh, should be doing, and uh, that costs us uh, at least two times. Is uh, is that something that you feel is is pretty easily rectifiable or, or or fixed going into the regular season opener on Wednesday? Yes, for sure. I mean, we just got to play more connected. We got to support each other a little bit better. Uh, I mean, they clog it up pretty good in the neutral zone. So you know, sometimes you just you chip it in. Way I think we had too many turnovers on the on the blue lines as well, and um, yeah, that's going to cost you against the uh, skilled players. From our vantage point, felt like the pace was a little bit closer to a regular season game tonight than in some of the other preseason games. Did it feel like that from your standpoint? Yeah, I mean, I think both teams uh, went in with, um, you know, the mindset that, um, you know, this is the last preseason game and, um, you know, let's kind of get ready. And, um, you know, uh, I felt like uh, we started off well in the first, uh, you know, after their goal, I felt like we bounced back a little bit and, Finished strong in the first period and the second period we just got too spread out and uh, and it was too many pucks along the boards and they, they got their forecheck going and we couldn't really get out of our own end and uh, we couldn't get our forecheck going but uh, yeah I mean it was uh, obviously um, you know I think both teams uh, found that this was the last preseason uh, game and uh, yeah so now we uh, now we move forward. Final question for you, Raz. You've now been in this league, uh, a, 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 you know, you've been in the league for a number of seasons now, and you've uh, made the jump from the preseason to the regular season multiple times. Can you just describe, you know, how how the pace increases and and how that next switch flips once the regular season begins? Yeah, I mean, it is as you say. It's the it's the next flip. That's uh, the switch that flips, and um, you know, I think uh, you know towards the halfway towards the um, end of the game here you know you kind of like all right let's not put myself in a bad situation so you get hurt or something like mm-hmm. that and uh, so you might play a little bit more passive but um yeah i mean now you flip the switch and uh, you get ready and um, i'm so excited to go on raz appreciate this uh, good luck on wednesday in the season opener thanks so much for doing this hey Thank you, thank you. That's uh, Rasmus Anderson, Flames defenseman postgame following a 3-1 loss to wrap up the preseason in Vancouver. As we are underway on your Flames Talk postgame show, Pat Steinberg alongside Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation for all things basement Visit dlbasementsystems.com and uh, friends, I think that Rasmus saying the um, the thing that uh, we were all thinking. It's good that the preseason is done. The preseason has its place, and and it uh, is important to get pace up. It's important to see some battles and finalize your roster. But it's now done. It's all about the regular season on Wednesday. But in in terms of 
some of the things that we were looking for in this game, I, I don't know if we got any more clarity on on a number of things. Like, for instance, let's start with this. Our marquee matchup pregame brought to you by Country Hills Toyota, Mick. We were talking about some of these line combinations and, and what works and what doesn't. And I don't know if we got any clearer picture of if Huberto, Lindholm, Mangiapane is going to work together. I don't know if we've gotten any better indication of if Ruzicka should be there with Kadri and Dubé. The one I liked was the Sharon Govich Backland Coronado line again, but you know a lot of things that you know even from an established player standpoint, we were trying to see one more game of evidence on. I don't know if we got any clear answers. No, and it's it was interesting listening to Rasmus Anderson and saying, "Oh yeah, we'll be fine. Everything's going to be okay." Like that positivity is great. From the player's standpoint, that's what you want. But from a coaching standpoint, like you said, you're looking at these line combinations. And at times they have looked like they're going to work or they could work. But tonight they did not look like they were working. I would agree with you. I liked the Sharon Govich, Backlund, Coronado line. I thought Coronado took a little bit of a beating. He took some big hits. A couple tonight. of big hits, mm-hmm. yep. Something that he's going to have to get used to. Uh, and the third line, or the fourth line, sorry, they didn't play a ton, but I thought that when they were on the ice defensively, they got hemmed in a little bit. Um, but no big glaring mistakes from any of those players in um, Hunt, Schwint, and Dewar. So, yeah, the forward lines, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what comes out on Wednesday night. Yeah, I thought the Backland line was the best line for sure. I thought the Schwint line was fine given their role and, as you pointed out, their lack of ice time. I liked Kadri but didn't really like his line. And, guys, it's the preseason. But when I think about Elias Lindholm and Jonathan Huberto together, whether it be at the start of last season or at times – this preseason, it just hasn't worked. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it won't work, but there certainly has not been instant chemistry between those two guys, regardless of who is on the right side of that line, whether it be Tyler Toffoli to start last season, and, and we've seen a bunch of different guys in that spot so far in the preseason. So some things look good on paper, but just don't look good on the ice, and I am starting to wonder about that duo uh, so we'll see if they stay together to start the regular season. On defense, I thought Uyghur had a really strong game. I thought Hannafin had a good game. Tanev's always steady. Uh, Osterley had a rough night. So I do wonder about the defense pairings as well. You're right, Pat. I had some questions going into this game. I'm yeah. not sure any of them got answered. Well, and let's continue on that because... When it comes to bubble players, I don't know if anybody staked the claim and said, I must be in on Wednesday night. Um, you know, I thought it was fairly meh from that line with Schwint and Hunt who are looking for spots. I thought Osterly struggled um, significantly in this game tonight. I thought Ruzicka had a rough night for a second straight game. I did not like the the game that we saw from him. And so those are four guys that, you know, they have not solidified their spots. Like 
Grichka's in the opening night lineup, sure, but he hasn't solidified his spot uh, in my eyes as as Kadri's left winger and uh, Schwint and and Hunt. Have they solidified their spots as opening day lineup guys? I don't know. And and you know we think Osterley's the six, but I don't know if that is set in stone either. And and so none of those bubble guys or or players that we were looking to make a final statement in this preseason game. I don't know, Derek, if they, if they really did that. I agree with you 100%. And we'll have to wait and see what happens with Ruzhitska. We know he's going to be in the lineup if he's healthy mm-hmm. on Wednesday. But mm-hmm. the big question for me is, who's he going to be playing with? I thought he was actually pretty good in the first period and then just kind of faded away in the second and third periods. And that's been the knock on him, that when he's engaged, he's good. And when he's not, you don't notice him, at least not for the right reasons. I do like the duel of Kadri and Dubé. I think that there are so many similarities in the way they think the game and play the game. Uh, So I would probably leave those two guys together. I like having Backlund with Coronado just because Backlund's been so good with so many young players through the course of his career. And I thought Coronado did some good things in this game tonight as well. And Sharon Golvich looks like he's starting to get more comfortable. There's still a little ways to go, but I didn't mind him tonight. We know Dewar's going to be on the right side of the fourth line. We just don't know who's going to be on the left side of it or centering it. So a lot of questions when it comes to the forward group. And then as far as the defense pairings are concerned, you know who the top five are, but you don't know who's going to play with who. I'm not sure I would go out of my way to, to break up the top two pairings right now, but I do wonder about Dennis Gilbert. Can he potentially, even if it's not for game one, can he steal Jordan Osterley's spot on that third pairing with Nikita Zadorov? If you have Osterley, you've got two guys who can skate because Zadorov for a big guy skates well. Mm-hmm. But if you have Gilbert, you've got two guys who are as tough as anybody on your team. So two very different elements on that third pairing, Mick. Yeah, oh, for sure. But I think, like, I have two thoughts right now. The first one being, like, if I'm the coaches, I'm – obviously, we've talked a lot about individual play, lines, D pairings. If I'm the coaches, I'm more concerned with the team play and how the whole team Mm -hmm. played. And when your whole team plays that disconnected, then individuals are going to have poor Mm -hmm. performances as well. So looking at it from that, like, big picture, the team can't play that way because then no one is set up for individual success. And I think that that's the position that everyone was put in. It's like, as a team, they, they put themselves in that position. The other thing for me going into Wednesday... Like, as coaches, you're not going to go from the last preseason game into the home opener and, like, throw your lines in a blender, (laughs) right? Like, what message does that send to the team? So I think that they're going to keep a lot of pairs together. I think they're going to keep Huberto and Lindholm together. Uh, I think that they'll keep Kadri and Dubé together. They'll keep Coronado and Backlund together fourth line who knows what's going to happen but I think that those pairings on the top three lines I think that those will stay consistent and then it's just the pieces of who fits in there um, that are to be determined on the back end your top five like you said are sorted around it's is it Osterley or Gilbert and I suspect it's probably going to be Osterley because he's had the bulk of the reps uh 
thanks in part to Gilbert's injury early in the preseason. But Mm -hmm. I do think it's important that we listen to what Rasmus Anderson said. Mick, you know this better than we do. Playing the right way is hard. Mm -hmm. And when in the back of your mind, and maybe late in the game, more in the front of your mind, you're thinking, God, this has been a long preseason. Like We played eight games. The Canucks only played six. I just want to get through this without getting hurt. If that's your mindset, you're not playing the game the right way. So I take what I see individually and collectively in the preseason with a grain of salt. If this carries into the regular season, then I think you you raise the red flag. Here's what I would ask, and I don't know if we're going to get an answer on this for some time, even into the regular season. But, you know, for the last two and a half years, you knew what the Calgary Flames were. You knew what their identity was. That is my biggest question because I, I don't know. I, I don't. Is this a fast team? Is this a skilled team? Is this a tough team? Is this a good team? Is this a bad team? Is this a lottery team? <laughs> is this a playoff team? Are they an up tempo team? Mick, I, I don't know what they are. Yeah. And I don't know if our eight preseason games. And I, I wasn't really expecting the preseason to tell us. But as we go into Wednesday, that's my biggest question about this team. What are you? And I think it's going to take a little bit of time to find out that answer. So I will tell you, I've been a part of teams that have had drastic culture and environment shifts. And if you don't have that solidified and established and your identity made very clear to every single player in that room. And if it's not something that you live and breathe every single day that you walk the talk, the team will not have success and individual players will not have success. I think from what we've seen in this preseason, the members of the coaching staff and every single player, they know what their identity is. They know what they want it to be. It sounds like there's a great culture and a great environment. So as long as they can stay dialed into that and tuned into that and making sure that as a team, they're playing to their identity, then I think they will have team success and that will be driven by individual success because they would all be playing the right way and doing the right things. Well, they're all happier yeah, this season than happier. they were last. Yeah. But that can start to turn if you don't have success individually and collectively. And we've talked since the offseason and, and since the change at general manager and the change at head coach and all the questions relating – I would say first and foremost to the pending UFAs. They've knocked one guy off that list and an important one in Michael Backlund. But if this team doesn't get off to a great start, you wonder if it it might start to go sideways. But on the flip side, if it does, then I think it becomes a a pretty appealing place to play because Elliot Friedman was here for one night last week. And he said he noticed instantly how much different the environment was. Mm Mm-hmm this season compared to last. So they've started on the the right foot as far as that's concerned. Now they've got to figure out the on-ice product. Well, and I think, too, if, you know, if things didn't go right, then that's up to your leadership group uh, in the dressing room to make sure that 
the guys stay on the right track and on the same page. And like you said, there could be changes that happen and it is a more appealing place to play, like you said. But I also think that they have the right leaders in place. They have a captain now. They have guys that can steer the ship when it needs to be steered. Yeah. And they have about five other guys who could have been the captain yeah. if yeah. Michael Backlund didn't extend. So it's a leadership yeah. group. Yeah, it right? is. It really they is. They do it by committee. Yeah. Uh, okay, few things. Phone lines are open on our Flames Talk post-game show, 403-240-4444. Text lines open at 960-960. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, live after every game right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. So call now, text now if you want to chat on this Friday night after the preseason comes to an end. We'll hear from head coach Ryan Huska in just minutes, but right now let's select tonight's hardest working flame brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Are you the hardest working plumber or HVAC tech? Canyon's hiring. Send resumes to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. For the final time this preseason, Megan Mickelson's on the clock with the hardest working flame. I'm going to give it to Michael Backlund. I think we didn't really talk about him very much, and I feel like he's one of those guys that he plays so well every single night that, you know, he doesn't jump out at you like, oh, he had an amazing game. But, you know, thinking back on the game, I think he was solid. He was he was good in the face-off circle. He's a guy that they really depend upon, and he makes good plays all over the ice. So I'm going to give it to the captain. Led the, happy 10. Led the way uh, in terms of five-on-five five, uh, shot rate and possession when he was on the ice. Backlund, 18-51 tonight. One shot, two attempts, one hit, and he went 11 for 18, as you mentioned, in the face-off dot. So, Michael Backlund, your final preseason hardest-working flame, brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Want to get recognized and rewarded for your achievements? Learn from the best. Send your resume to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. 3 one Flames wrap up their preseason 4-3-1 and one with a loss to the Vancouver Canucks. Get some final thoughts from our broadcast crew uh, before we get things going for the regular season on Wednesday, starting with Megan. Yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a weird game, messy to start. Obviously not the start that the Calgary Flames would want, and they were disconnected. Rasmus Anderson said it. They were just not connected all over the ice. That's a term that we've heard them say a lot now and obviously is a big focus for them and one that uh, just just wasn't there tonight. But I think looking back on the preseason, I think we saw a lot of good things. I saw a lot of things tonight that they need to clean up in their game. Um, and I think that they and we are happy that the preseason is is behind us and ready to move forward. Yeah, I'll second that for sure. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was a weird game, uh, and I'm hoping that the giving up a uh, goal on the first shot is a thing of last season and of this preseason and, and not of this regular season. That's not the way you want to start a hockey game. And I thought that you know Jacob Markstrom, who was probably screened on that one uh, because – Based on the way he reacted, he didn't really move much, so I don't think he saw the puck. But I thought he settled in all right after that. I know he gave up two goals uh, in the second period, but I have a hard time faulting him for either one. They were both pretty bad breakdowns in front of him. So I thought the goaltender was pretty good in the preseason, and I thought for the most part their top five in defense was pretty good in the preseason. Uh, the group I'm 
I'm not sure concerned is the right word, but uh, the group I'm wondering about, I'll use that word, is the forward group. Because I do think that there are some pairs that the Flames feel pretty comfortable going into the regular season with. But I also think there are probably one or two pairs that they're not so comfortable with. And uh, also, they're going to have to figure out who's going to be the third player uh, with those four pairs that they decide to start the regular season with. So, yeah, there's still some work to do. The good news is is that they've got a little bit of time to rest up. I think they've got tomorrow and Sunday off based on the schedule that I saw. So back to work on Monday. You got uh, Monday and Tuesday to practice. You got a morning skate on Wednesday, and then uh, the games start to count uh, when the Jets come to town on Wednesday night. So, again, uh, with veteran players especially, I take what I see in the preseason with a grain of salt mm-hmm. because they know they've got a spot. They don't have anything to prove. Uh, and I'd say that about the team as well. I do think this is a team that will be much more competitive this season than they were last, and they only missed the playoffs by a couple of points last year. So looking forward to seeing what they look like when uh, when the real games start. All right, friends. Have a uh, great weekend, hey? We will uh, see you Sunday or Monday or whenever we're back doing practice. Sounds good, Pat. Have Thanks, a good Pat. night. Bye, friends. Uh, Megan Mickelson, Derek Wills signing off on this Friday night following the preseason finale for the Calgary Flames. They win. Uh, they lose 3-1 in Vancouver. They finish their preseason record at 4-3-1. Let's hear from head coach Ryan Huska as he just wrapped up at Rogers Place. Going to get that wrong about 70 times this season at Rogers Arena in Vancouver. Ryan, maybe just to first get you kind of assessment of how you saw this game sort of progress through it. Yeah, uh, the first, I'd say the first 10 minutes I thought we were okay. We had a little speed and we were able to get out of our zone well. After that, I don't think we were really all that effective and it was a slower paced game for us tonight. Puck management part of that? Uh, Huge part. Yeah. We kept giving it back to them. Um, you know, and credit to them, they they skated tonight. We didn't skate like they did, but we, uh, we gave the puck back far too often tonight. When you look at a game like that and, and knowing it's the last one, I know, you know, Max talked a little bit about, you know, obviously yeah. you don't feel great about this one. But yep. You talk about it and, and maybe look at the totality of training yep. camp as, as a whole. Um, do I think it was good? Is that what you mean? Just that you're trying to take maybe a more broader picture when it comes to training oh, camp yeah. and, the ex- and everything. Hey, there's there's a lot going on at this time of the year. People are trying to learn to play with each other. There's some different things that we're asking the guys to do. Um, we saw some positive signs. We saw some areas that we for sure have to be a lot better in. Um, but now it's it's starting for real. So that's the the great part about it. It's, it's a chance to be excited again and uh, start anew. Would you uh, think Jacob Marshall tonight? Uh, I thought he battled. I thought Jake was good for us in the net tonight. Uh, and what about now, just as you look ahead, obviously you got a few days here, uh, a couple practices, but maybe just about trying to turn that page now and kind of get excited about what's ahead. Yeah, there's there's a, a couple days the players will have off with some events, um, and we'll have two really good days of practice. So I, um, you know, I, I think once you get through the exhibition season, the, as I mentioned earlier, the excitement kind of comes back for the players too. So as I said, we'll have two good days of practice, and then we'll look forward to our home opener. One last one for you, just about the forward lines and uh, combinations. Looks like you know, tried a couple times, Cadbury with yeah. uh, Huberto, and and uh, then home. Is that just uh, momentary? Are you trying to get them out there a couple times together? Yeah, we'll try to do that from time to time. I think um, if if you can find a way to get certain guys on the ice together at certain times of the game, it might be beneficial. Um, um, it, it's it's and it gives us an opportunity to see if it may work down the road.
Yes and no. There wasn't a lot tonight, so it's it's hard when you have a night where there wasn't. There, we we looked disjointed tonight, so it's hard to say there was great chemistry on any of the lines or the deep pairings tonight. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, guys. Thank you. There you go. That is head coach Ryan Huska post game following tonight's 3-1 loss to wrap up the preseason in Vancouver. As we continue along in your Flames Talk post game show, lots still to get to on this Friday night. If you want to call, do so now. 403-240-4444. We have lots to talk about when it comes to line combinations, when it comes to who should be on the roster, who shouldn't, who should be in the opening night lineup, who shouldn't. All of that is on the table for you at 403 240 4444. Same with the text line at 960-960. Lots of texts. Phones are a little thin, so if you want to jump in, you can do so right now. It's Pat Steinberg along with you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. For all things basement visit dlbasementsystems.com. Your calls, your texts, more looks inside the locker room, and a whole lot more. Flames fall 3-1 to wrap up the preseason as our Flames Talk postgame show is well underway. This is Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Have your say now. Text us at 960-960 or call 403-240-4444. The Flames Talk postgame show continues. From our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio on a Friday night following a 3-1 loss on the road in Vancouver to wrap up the preseason. Flames finished their preseason 4-3-1. And, and yeah, I mean, look, I'm the first to tell you that I, I don't, put a ton of stock into the preseason and you always have to take what you see especially from veteran players and uh, with a grain of salt so I'm not I don't come away from this game which I did not think was a super impressive game from the Flames but I don't come away from it any more worried about how the season is going to go or anything like that than than I was before this game but the area where, or the areas where I was a little, or, or I become a little, I'm trying to think of the right word, where, where I'm a little less enthusiastic is that there were certain areas that I wanted to see a little bit of progression from. Um, and those areas would be, for instance, bubble players. Like, I, I wanted Cole Schwint to really solidify himself as, as yeah, this guy good choice for the number four center and you know I I didn't uh, I, I didn't see a whole lot there uh, I thought that his line which did not see the, the his line started every shift in the offensive zone tonight and they were swimming in their own zone like that's not what I was looking for for him from him for Dryden Hunt so you know that's that's an area where I don't I don't feel any more confident in Cole Schwint as the number four center coming out of this game as I did before and Jordan O's is he the right fit as the number 6D? Well, I thought he was swimming defensively all night long, and uh, he and Zadorov really struggled. Uh, and and then again, that's an area where you, you don't come away super confident in uh, that that line or that D pairing. And, and Osterley, when he was on the ice specifically, uh, Zadorov as well. That D pairing um, bled a lot of shot attempts, bled a lot of scoring chances, and and so you were looking for Osterley to solidify himself as yes, this guy clearly needs to be the number six. I think he will be the six to start the season, but I don't think that it's it's more, I feel more like that's the 
decision by default as opposed to I'm going to stake my claim. I don't really feel like anybody staked their claim in this game, and that would be the only frustrating part. Same thing with Adam Ruzicka, who I've been a big booster of prior to the last two games. I, I have not been a big fan of Ruzicka's game against the two most NHL-like lineups that we've seen in the preseason so far. Thought he um, had some of those frustrating stretches, too many of them, against Edmonton on Wednesday, and, and I thought he really struggled in in this game today with some of his puck management when you really don't want to see it. So there's there were four guys, Ruzicka, Schwint, Hunt, Osterley, who I, I wanted to see somebody stake a claim. I, I didn't see that in this game. And and also on top of that, I'm I'm still looking for chemistry that is really popping for me from Lindholm and Huberto. I'm still looking for chemistry that's really popping for me um, with with a few of the other combinations. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling okay about their back-end top four anyway. I like Anderson and Hannafin. Uh, sorry, Anderson and Weger together, even though they're two right shots, and you never can go wrong with Hannafin and Tanev. So I don't mind that, but yeah, I... Is, is Mangiapane the right fit with Huberto and, and Lindholm? Is Huberto and Lindholm together the right fit? On the second question, I think they still need to give that 15 or 20 games to, to really see if the answer is yes or no, but I haven't really felt like it's been a resounding yes so far in the preseason. So that, that would be some of, the, uh, some of the areas that I was a little frustrated in in this game tonight. As for the other side, positives? Well, I thought Michael Backlund had himself another really strong game. I was fully on board with uh, Megan's decision to go with Michael as the hardest working flame. Thought that was, uh, that, that would uh, probably him or Coronado would have been the way that I would go. I thought Coronado, despite getting rocked a couple times, had himself a really strong and impactful game once again. I thought Sharon Govich, and here's another positive that I've seen over the, la- over the last little bit in the preseason. Sharon Govich, I think, has steadily gotten more comfortable and has steadily gotten better, and I thought Sharon Govich had himself another really strong game in this one tonight. Uh, that line of Backlund, Sharon Govich, and Coronado together were uh, 63.6% on five-on-five possession. Uh, they ended up uh, having... They did not generate or uh, have a high-danger scoring chance against them, but they spent a lot of time on the attack and a lot of time in the offensive zone. So I I did like that, and I thought there were some decent stretches on both power plays the Flames had in this game tonight. Oh, and and I will say one more thing, and I know there's a lot of people who are uh, not happy that the first shot went in on Jacob Markstrom tonight, but I actually thought Jacob Markstrom was one of their better players this evening, and that's how we'll get to the save of the game. Save of the game, Brian. Brought to you by Shane Holmes and Jacob Markstrom got the start, went the full way, his third start of the preseason, and Jacob's save of the game came in period number two. Pucks throwing up the near boards where Ruzinska takes over, but he throws it right up the middle. It's held in. Cole in front. Bluger stopped by Markstrom, who bails out Ruzinska with that save. Maybe Jacob Markstrom's best, if not. Maybe his most important save of the hockey game. He keeps this game tied at one. That's one of the 29 stops made by Jacob Markstrom tonight. And that's his save of the game brought to you by Shane Holmes. For every save a Flames goaltender makes, Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kids Sport Calgary. Visit ShaneHolmes.com, the better way to build. I thought Backlund, Coronado, Kadri, um, 
Uyghur, Tanev, and Markstrom were some of the standout positives in this game for the Flames. And I know that that first goal went in 69 seconds in, and it came from the point that was not a high-danger uh, area that Tyler Myers scored to make it one nothing. But with Besser screening and taking his eyes away, like I don't look at that as a egregiously bad goal, despite the fact that I know there was a trend last year that first shots went in. Believe me, I know that. I actually come away feeling like that was a pretty positive final preseason game for Jacob Markstrom. That's just me, um, but uh, I'm sure we'll get into that on the phone lines and the text line. Okay, text lines at 960-960. Phone line at 403-240-4444. Lots of time on the text lines. we got a ton of text to get through. Lots of people texting in this evening. Uh, Phone lines are a little thinner, but if you want to jump in that way, you can. 403-240-4444. Got a couple of lines open on this Friday night as well. Before we get there, another check inside the Flames locker room. Let's hear from the captain, Michael Backlund, speaking after tonight's 3-1 loss in Vancouver. Uh, I thought the first period was uh, not too bad. I uh, thought we had some energy then, and uh, I thought the second and third period was not good enough. Um, we didn't battle hard enough. We didn't win enough battles. Um, didn't play our structure. Just wasn't our best game, um, probably one of our worst games of the preseason. Um, good lesson for us. Um, played a good team, um, you know, a full roster. You know, it's good for us to play against a full NHL roster and uh, get ready for for Wednesday. But uh, we we all know in here it wasn't good enough, and we got to be better uh, on Wednesday. A little bit of you know puck taking care of the puck too, or does that kind of set up what you were describing earlier in terms of uh, you know just the compete part? Yeah, no, we talked about uh, all the all the training camp. Uh, you know, we we're at our best when we play the right way, and when we start turning pucks over and give teams opportunities, that's when we struggle. So um, we did that a little bit today too in the game. They took over the game, and um, yeah, they hurt us. And uh, yeah, we we know we we can be better. We all know in here we talked about already, and uh, uh, now we're moving forward to the regular season. Results aside, because uh, in the end we parked this all and uh, look ahead. I mean, did you feel like you accomplished what you needed to throughout these two weeks of training camp, and and now looking ahead of the regular season? Yeah, I mean, it was good to get uh, a few games in and, uh, you know, get that game mode going and uh, the feel of playing games again. Um, like I said, tonight wasn't our best prep for Wednesday, but, uh, you know, we're going to we talked about it quickly after the game and we're going to talk about it and next week uh, when we prepare for next Wednesday. That's Michael Backlund, team captain. Sounds pretty good when you say that. There's Captain Michael Backlund following tonight's 3-1 loss in Vancouver. Okay, uh, Flames Talk postgame. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and, of course, live after every game right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Let's dive in on the text line at 960-960. Uh, this from Robert in Vancouver. Tough question for you, Pat. Say Huska plays Huberdeau and Lindholm for 25 to 40 games and it just doesn't work. Does that make signing Lindholm to an eight-year, $72 million-plus contract, less enticing for Craig Conroy. How can you sign Lindholm if those two guys don't work? Well, the only thing that I would say is that there are plenty of teams that have um, two really good players or, or two highly paid players that don't necessarily, forwards specifically, they don't necessarily play together. Um, so, for instance, I'll take you back to Huberdeau when he was in Florida. Huberdeau, in his second most productive year, 
played with Alexander Barkov. Huberdeau, in his most productive year two seasons ago, did not see a lot of five-on-five even strength time with Barkov at all. They spent time together on the power play, of course, but Barkov spent a lot more time with Verhege and and different line mates, whereas Huberdeau spent almost, season, almost all season with Sam Bennett, who was their number two center, and Anthony Duclair. So there's Huberdeau not playing with the number one center in Alexander Barkov. And so I don't think that they're if, – if Huberdeau and Lindholm don't work, that doesn't change to me the importance or doesn't make it so that, well, no, you can't sign Lindholm because if you can find somebody else that works with Huberdeau, you know, I – just off the top of my head, maybe maybe Huberdeau, Backlund, Coronado. Maybe that's something. That's just something that came to my mind very, very quickly. I'm not saying it would work, it wouldn't work, but maybe that's something that they end up looking at. Maybe Huberdeau and Cadre. I, all I'm saying is that your two highest paid forwards don't necessarily have to play together all the time. Lots of times over the last seven, eight years in Chicago, Taves and Kane didn't play on the same line a lot together. They really didn't. Even going back to Chicago winning their last Stanley Cups, Taves and Kane weren't on the same line a lot together at five on five. And I'm not even trying to say that Huberto Lindholm are Taves and Kane or Barkov and Huberto in Florida. I'm just saying that it doesn't always have to be that way. So it doesn't in um, it doesn't really make it for me something that would deter me from saying the Flames should sign Lindholm to that contract. But I get the question you're asking, Robert. I really do. Uh, This one says, loving the show, making my Friday night. So I have one specific point to make. I watched a compilation of Lindholm's goals from his 40-goal season in 21-22. It seemed like the reason why he was doing so well is because of Gaudreau and Kachuk. It just feels like they enabled him in ways Huberdeau just isn't doing. Do you see this as an issue going forward? Yeah, potentially. I I don't know yet. I think it is a worthwhile quest to see if those two guys can work together. Look, you're never going to, or or maybe never is the wrong word, but it's going to be a while until we in this city see a line that was as good as that line was. Lindholm, Kachuk, and Gaudreau, is one of the best single lines the Calgary Flames have ever had together for a single season. It was bonkers how well they clicked. And it's a shame that two-thirds of that line moved on the following summer. So to expect that to ever be found again, I'm not saying that's what this texter's saying, but to expect that to ever be found again, that that's, that's a little unrealistic. However, I do think that trying to see over a somewhat extended period of time Lindholm and Huberdeau working together is worth it because if Huberdeau can open up Lindholm to some of his really good shooting areas and do that on a more regular basis than, say, we saw last year when they were together or even this preseason, then I think that there's some real benefit to that for the Calgary Flames. Guess what I'm saying is, am I worried about it? I mean, do I or do I think it could be an issue? Yeah, I, I do think it could be an issue, but I think it's worth it to actually find that out over a longer period of time. Uh, this reads, do you think Hunt will make the team? 
Uh, yeah, I do. I think he'll be on the opening day roster. I think I think he'll be one of the 13 forwards they start the season with. Whether or not he's on the in the opening night lineup is another question. Um, this says, Pat, glad the preseason's over and now on to the start of the season. I think it's going to be an up and down 10 to 15 games to start the year, but the team will hopefully find their stride. That comes from Alex. Yeah, I, I do think that it's going to be interesting to see how this season starts. As, as I asked Derek and Megan a little earlier, do we know what this team is? The answer to that question is no. I don't think we know what this team is right now. Do we know what this team is supposed to be? I'm even struggling with that a little bit. And so because it's tough to sit here and say, well, this team has identity X or identity Y, it, it makes it hard to have a real feel as to how the season's going to start. I think – it would be obviously great if they got off to a good start, and I'm not saying they won't. I just don't have a real good feel as to how this season is going to get going. Uh, this says, I know preseason doesn't mean everything, but the one-shot, one-goal trend is not helping again. Uh, this says, Pat, I find it frustrating we haven't seen Dubé and Mangiapane together on a line. They always perform well together, and at the start of last year, when they were playing with Kadri, it was the Flames' best line by far. Why haven't we seen that group together? It's a good question. I don't know, but I, I hear what you're saying. You know, if, if at some point the lines that we've seen over the last week and a bit don't work in the regular season. I would like to see Kadri, whether it's Kadri in the middle or not, I would like to see Dubé and Manjapani get some time together again because they always play well together. Uh, even talking to both guys away from the, the mic and away from the recorders, I mean, they get amped up to play with one another. They're super tight. They've been super tight for years now going back to the the first year that Dubé made the team in 2018. Like They were roommates that year. Neither of them went to China for the preseason like these guys are super tight off the ice and on top of that they, they get amped up to play with one another so I, w- I would like to see Dubé and Manjapani back together if if these line cl- combinations aren't clicking in the first 10-15 games of the season uh, this says well it's just the preseason but there's a couple talking points I think this fan base needs to give the defense five to eight games together to get the zone thing down that was rough also Manjapani should be stapled to backland it's the only time he's any good I know Yegor wasn't great on the first line in his first couple games with them but I'd like to see it again he's got some decent speed and puck retrieval skills in the corners which is something 10 and 28 needs with them. Also, he's got great edge work. Last point, Hunt and Schwint aren't what I'd be looking for on my fourth line. I feel like Zary plays a great grindy game that would translate great to a fourth line. This team has the pieces. It's a matter of making him fit. Happy belated birthday. That's from Dylan in Revy. Thank you, Dylan. Appreciate it, pal. Um, I don't, I mean, I, I think Manjapani can work elsewhere, but... If at some point they put him back with Backland, I don't think you can really argue it because they've played so well together historically. Um, the Sharon Govich on the, the Huberdeau-Lindholm line experiment was not super sexy in the first half of training camp in the preseason, but I do I do think there's some logic to his speed and his pace, his puck retrievals, and his shot could still be, could still be a good fit. On paper, you can make it Pretty easy, make a pretty easy argument that it would be a good fit. It hasn't been a great fit as of yet. I do like the way Sharon Govich is trending right now, though. So 
maybe having him back there to start the regular season because his game and comfort level seems to be going in the right direction. Maybe it is something that they would think about. I would think about it. In fact, Dylan, after reading that text and thinking it through in my head, I absolutely, if I were making the calls, I absolutely would be starting Sharon Govich on that line. I really would. Um, I would be starting Lindholm Huberdeau with Sharon Govich on the right. Um, I'd probably be putting Manchapani, to your point, back with Backlund. Uh, the only problem there is I really like Coronado with Backlund. Maybe you go Manchapani, Coronado, Backlund together, and Coleman remains on the fourth line. I don't know. I, I, but I Sharon Govich to the Huberdeau line, yeah, you, that, that I absolutely would be doing that. Because I like the way Sharon Govich's game is trending right now. This is from Jared in Lethbridge. Watch the game tonight and a few thoughts. Markstrom looks solid despite the first shot, first goal ghost. Two, Coronado looked great and hunted the puck all night, even though it got him clobbered twice. This player on a backland line is solid gold. Three, watching the game and heard the name Schwint in the third period and had to remind myself he was playing. Still not happy with the fourth line makeup. Safe to say the game was a bit of a wash forward-wise, but Markstrom had a decent night and I think he'll be solid and in a good place come Wednesday. That comes from Jared in Lethbridge. Yeah, I liked Markstrom a lot tonight, actually. Um, this from Will in BC. The preseason's over, so for the next week or so I'm enjoying the fact the Flames are tied for first place. A few days ago, someone asked you who Coronado reminded you of. The first guy that came to my mind was Joe Mullen. Before your time, I know, but any thoughts on that? Thanks for your great work in keeping this fun for us. So now it's two points at a time. It's too early to predict anything, but I hope the Flames have a good start to the regular season we shall see you know I did not I did not watch Joe Mullen as a um, somewhat educated hockey watcher you know Mullen was traded here in 1986 um, if the if my this date in flames history memory is uh, serving me correctly I believe he was uh, in the second half of the 85 86 season he was acquired by the flames and uh, was on that team that went to the first Stanley Cup final in 86 if I remember correctly Um and then, I might, if I'm wrong, tell me, but I think that's correct. And then obviously had a great couple of seasons and, and was huge for them en route to winning the Cup three years later. Um, and so I, it's tough for me to, to you know, talk style-wise about a game, that a guy that I didn't see his game uh, up close and personal or even as somebody with, you know, the – ability to string a sentence together. I was like two, uh, two to about the age of five or so. Um, but, you know, you talk to people about Mullen and yeah, a guy who found the soft spots, a great finisher, not super huge, not like the world's most gifted NHL skater. So I can see that. Absolutely. I can see that being a really good comparison, both American guys. So no, I like that. Will and be, I, I can't give you like the most, uh, credible comparison just because I was not in my um, most stuff. I was in my more formative years as a human when Mullen was a flame. But no, I, I like that comparison a lot. Well, I do. Uh, what else we got here at 960-960? This says, yes, it's just preseason. And yes, it doesn't matter. But for a team so tormented by Daryl Sutter, you'd think they'd be skating on air like kids enjoying the game again. Did we forget pre-Sutter this team had a motivation problem? This team's a wild card team. Why sign Lindholm? Why should I watch a team that'll be mediocre for the next seven or eight years? Sad Sad, sad days. Well, we'll see. We'll see how things go. Uh, we'll see if that is indeed the way things go. Uh, this says, what are the odds of seeing Coronado on the first line alongside Huberto and Lindholm within the first few weeks? Seems like a good distributor plus trigger man combo on the wings. 
I would start if it were me. I would start with Sharon Govich there, but I I I, I don't put it past Coronado getting himself onto that line at some point. Um, I, I think it would be interesting to see. I'd just start with Sharon Govich there, and I'd keep Coronado myself with Backlund because that's a combo I've really liked throughout this preseason. Uh, this says, sleep is from Brad, by the way, sleepy and sloppy game from the Flames, too many giveaways at the blue line, and lost coverage resulting in breakaways. The effort might have been there, but there just wasn't any chemistry, not unlike the team last year. Hopefully they can fix up those things before the season starts. Otherwise, I thought Kadri showed some jump, and Markstrom looked on his game after that first goal. Great stuff on the text line at 960-960. More on the text line in a few minutes, but let's get to the phone lines for the first time tonight. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. You can uh, jump in on the phone lines right now. Got a few open lines as it stands right now, so call now, 403-240-4444. Text line remains open at 960-960. It's Pat Steinberg along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's say hello to George on the phone lines to kick us off on the Flames Talk post game show there. What's up, George? Not much, Patty. Happy belated birthday, my friend. How are you? Thanks, buddy. I'm good. Good, good. Um, look, I know this, uh, the entire defensive system has kind of been overhauled and it's different, and they're going zone defense as opposed to man to man with Coach Huska here. But, and I know it's preseason, I get it, but defensively, they look utterly lost. They have looked the whole preseason. Like, I wonder. If this defensive system works with these players and how long it's going to take to click, because the way it's going right now, they might be better off going back to the system they played with Sutter. I mean, I, I think you're probably putting a little bit too much um, 82-game stock into an eight-game preseason where they only played with their NHL lineup like uh, once, really, maybe twice. I, I, I think it's a little, a little tough to be um, – judging the next six months and how they're going to play with a, uh, a couple of new wrinkles and X's and O's uh, just from the preseason. Like, I get it. It has not been the, the greatest in that regard. But, you know, there's 82 games for a reason. So to, you know, I, I will there be growing pains? Probably. But, you know, usually NHL teams uh, and NHL players pick things up pretty quickly even when you do make some changes. Yeah, very, very, very fair point. Um, uh, did I miss something? <laughs> because uh, I'd like someone to explain to me why, why Cole Schwint is looking like the de facto number four center on this team when, I don't know, to me, and I've watched the whole preseason and all of training camp, he's done absolutely nothing to stand out. And it's nothing yet, the kid, but he's done nothing to me to stand out in the preseason. In fact, I can name three or four players right now that I notice more than him who've already been sent down to the AHL. So why is he the guy that's kind of being penned or penciled into that spot. Well, tell me who those players are first. I'll, I'll answer the question. I was curious as to who those players are. Carnozeri, um, Adam Klapka, and I know he's not a center. I know it's positional, so I get that. But if we're going to go strictly with players, well, you said you said four or five, so that's why I was like, okay, who? Okay, so Zeri, um, Klapka. Uh, okay, well, but we, like Klapka is not going to center the fourth line. Okay, then that's why I say I should have prefaced that with saying I understand this is positional. Okay, okay fair enough. So okay, fair enough. So you know, I don't, I don't need to keep you on the spot. Um, yeah, but look, it. First of all, like first of all, I, I, I know where you're going with this. First of all, I think Rooney would have been the guy had he not 
busted up his shoulder at practice uh, over the weekend. So I think Rooney would have been the 4C. I actually thought he was having a pretty solid training camp, uh, and I think he would have been well-suited as the number four center. Uh, but he's not available anymore for the next uh, little while. So that opened up a spot. Um, and I think what they're looking for from that number four center spot is somebody with a little bit of size. And I also think what they're looking for is somebody that maybe they don't project to be um, a top nine type player in the NHL. And that's that's why I think that Zeri starting in the American League is because I think they want him to play the big minutes in the AHL in really his, only his second full season in pro hockey because he basically he didn't lose a whole season, but he lost half a season and then came back behind the eight ball. So it's t- like he, that first year with the Wranglers was a real struggle for him and a real um, it was just a real frustrating year because of the injury that he sustained in training camp and it was tough for him to get up to speed coming in midway through. I guess that first season with the Stockton Heat. Last year was his first full year in pro hockey. Played well. Had himself a really good year. And this is year two, and I think that they really are invested in him being in a, in a really good spot to start the season. And I say that because I, if, if you're going to bring Zeri up to be a 4C I don't mind the idea of him starting and getting some game action in with the Wranglers, getting up to speed, and then kind of jumping in at full speed if he were to make the NHL roster. That would be point number one. Point number two, Schwint's got a little bit more pro experience, so I think you're a little bit more comfortable with him playing the lesser minutes. And point three, to kind of wrap it all in a bow and almost negate the first two things that I said is that I agree with you. He has not been super impressive. I think he's in this spot by default as it stands right now, and I think that there is a fair conversation to have about the Flames looking on the waiver wire because I I have not I, I don't know how comfortable I would be with Corey Cole Schwint starting the year as number four center. Now I don't think that they should be looking on the waiver wire right now. I would like to see Schwint get an opportunity to start the year as that number four center and and give him a shot and see how it goes and give him eight or nine games, and then you can start looking. But, yeah, I think it's something they need to be prepared to do because um, I still think that is an area that is very much uh, unsettled as it stands right now. Yeah, and it's so funny, Patty. I kind of laughed and smirked because that's where I was going next. Uh, my my little my final question was, what if what were I, what you kind of answered? I mean, would you at this point look at the waiver wire? Or here's another thing I want to present to you, and I'm just curious uh, to your opinion. What would you think about the Flames bringing in Zach Aston Reese as a four C? I know he got released from a PTO, um, and he scored ten goals last year. I think he would be a good role, and he's got a lot of NHL experience. What do you think about that player specifically? I, I would I would still I mean if he's available once you've tried it with Schwint I'd I'd be interested in it but I I do I would like to see them give a younger player a try there and I I can understand why they're gonna if if they go that direction why they would lean Cole as the first guy to try. Yeah, I get it. I understand, and everything you say does you know you have valid points and everything that you said. 
and it does. But that's just sense. me. I like I, um, I get what you're. I also understand why why you're um, asking the question and why you're bringing it up because it, it hasn't been the most resounding uh, training camp or preseason. It's not like. As, as I said earlier, it's not like this guy has staked a claim. Right now, it's it's more by default with the way things are with this group injury-wise. For sure. And, and also, honestly, remember, also remember, also remember salary cap concerns, too. And they're probably going to have to dip into yeah. LTIR to start the season. But when they start getting out of LTIR, they're still going to be t- tight against the cap. So... A player like Schwint, who is on a much smaller contract, also is something you do need to take into account. Very true. Very true. Thank you, my friend. I enjoyed our conversations the preseason. On we go to the regular season. It's going to be an interesting year. And, uh, man, uh, year 11 of us doing this, I'm going to enjoy our conversations thoroughly this Jeez, year, my friend. I hope 11. you have a great night. Woof. Yeah. You can yeah. count higher than I can. Thanks, Georgie. Good to hear from you, buddy. Likewise, my friend. Yeah, man. Take care. Talk soon. Uh, thanks, George. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Flames fall 3-1 to wrap up the preseason. Let's say hello to Anand. What's going on, buddy? Good evening, buddy. How are you? I'm good, man. Hope your birthday was great. And, uh, yeah, hope you had uh, some time to de-stress and to enjoy. I'll start with maybe a couple questions, maybe. Uh, so first one would be... Uh, since we're heading closer into the uh, regular season, which is next week on Wednesday, are you concerned about how today they played or maybe closer towards uh, getting ready for Wednesday? Are you concerned about either the defense or the offense uh, side of the team? Are you concerned about any of those two? Um, I I mean, I don't want to say concerned. I, I think yeah. that... Um... I mean, I, I think that the way that they ended the preseason was was kind of meh, but that's I got, I'm not concerned about it because I I really do take the preseason with a number of um, grains of salt. Like I I don't the preseason is what it is. It's yes, it's there for bubble players to make the team, and it's there for veterans to ramp themselves up, and it's there to get X's and O's and systems more down pat. It is, but I, I'm not going to put a ton of stock into what I see in the preseason because I've made that mistake too many times before, and I just I, so I'm not concerned about it, but I am curious about it. I don't know. I don't know how well they're going to click right off the bat, but I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that because the preseason was X or Y that I'm concerned or encouraged about X or Y either. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect to start the season. I don't know what to expect for the next 82 games, my guy. I really don't. Yeah, fair enough. And maybe one more question between the two, so Dragon Hunt and Colshin, who do you think will likely make maybe the NHL roster or the opening night roster? What are your bets? Do you have anything? I I mean, as of right now, I think both will make the roster. Both. Okay, sounds good. All right, bud. Thanks uh, very much. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Have a great long weekend. Hey, thank you, pal. And, and to your team as well. And talk to you soon. And uh, yeah, talk to you next Wednesday. Okay, buddy. Have a great night. Hey. 
Yeah, you do take care. Bye. Thanks, Ann. And uh, the phone lines are open at 403-240-4444 if you want to chat on the phones this evening. A little Friday night action on your Flames Talk postgame show. Text line open as well. Lots more text to get to at 960-960. But give us a call if you want on this Friday night. We'd love to hear from you talking all things Flames. The preseason's finally done, friends, and the regular season Starts on Wednesday. Uh, let's do this. It's time now for your player with heart. Brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. And uh, tonight I'm going Mackenzie Weger. I thought that he had himself a really strong preseason finale. Uh, Weger's final numbers. He led the team with six shot attempts. He led the team with four individual scoring chances. He had one of those scoring chances from the slot that really great toe drag that he almost finished uh, from the high danger areas. So individually, I thought Uyghur had himself a really strong game. I also thought that he uh, was strong just in the all-round game. He finished at 58.6% uh, for five-on-five -five possession. Flames uh, had a 17-12 edge in five-on-five -five shot attempts with him on the ice. Uh, scoring chances were 9-9, high dangers 4-4, and he did it all with a uh, zone start right around 50%. So I, I thought McKenzie Weger had himself a really noticeably strong game. Uh, he and Anderson, I think, work well together despite having – both right shots. If it were me, I'd start those two together to start the regular season. And I'll go Mackenzie Weger as the player with heart tonight. Brought to you by HeartFit Clinic for HeartFit assessments and proven treatments. Not available at your doctor's office. Visit heartfit.ca. And, and honestly, when you have Weger and Anderson together, I think they're Calgary's two best defensemen. And that's that's a number one pairing. And this is not a knock on Hannafin. This is not a knock on Tanev because they're both really good D-men as well. But when you've got Uyghur and Anderson, who I think are your best all-round defenders, they impact the game everywhere. When they're together, you've got a number one pairing. Whereas when they're not together, you've got two top pairings, but they're kind of like 1A, 1B with Uyghur and Anderson together, that's a one pairing. And I think that's a number one pairing on most teams in the NHL. And and I just think it, it really gives you advantages in terms of um, your trickle down when you've got a number one pairing. And you're really comfortable in your second pairing with Hannafin and Tanev as well. That's a really good second pairing if those two are together. So if it's me... I really I like Anderson and Hannafin together. They play well together. Tanev plays well with everybody. So if you're going to go Tanev and Uyghur, nothing wrong with that. If you wanted to go Tanev and Osterley, you could make a you could make an argument there. But I really like the idea, despite them both being right shots, of having Anderson and Uyghur together. Uyghur and Ekblad were both right shots in Florida, and they were a number one pairing. I think Anderson is one of the top 15 defensemen in the NHL, and I think those two as a pairing would be really good to see as well. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that plays itself out too. Okay, it's your Flamestock postgame show. It's Steinberg along with you on a Friday night. Phone lines open, text line open, and we're coming at you on this Friday from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. They're your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, Crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. For all things basementy, visit dlbasementsystems.com. Let's go uh, back inside the Flames locker room for a final time on this Friday night. Let's hear from Nazem Kadri, who scored Calgary's only goal in this 3-1 loss as uh, Nazem spoke post-game in Vancouver. 
Yeah, I mean, just uh, you know, a little too casual with the puck, I think. Just uh, you know, coughing it up a little bit, just trying to get uh, you know a little too uh, too cute. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we're kind of just itching, I think, to get into the regular season and, and uh, you know start uh, playing playing some games that uh, you know mean something. So credit to them, they, they played a great game, and uh, you know we'll, we'll be better. Well, I mean that is the benefit knowing uh, it's been a long long training camp, a couple of weeks here. Uh, did you feel like you got done what you needed to in order to be ready for Wednesday? I think so. There was a lot of change, and you know sometimes that takes time to catch on to. But you know for the most part, I think uh, rounding everything together, we saw a lot of a lot of positive things, and you know a lot of things we can also work on. So um, you know. We'll, we'll uh, get back to practice and watch some film and you know, study what we got to study. Uh, the puck, uh, what you were talking about, does that kind of mean you start chasing the game a little bit? Uh, you don't mm-hmm. get a little careless like that, or is yeah. you know is that part of you know just how the game ends up flowing the way it does? Well, I think we we had the you know oftentimes we had the right idea. We just sure. it's an execution thing really, and uh, you know with a team like that, it's got some dangerous offensive players. I think uh, you know obviously you're going to kind of shoot yourself in the foot a little bit if you turn it over too much. So. You know, we saw him capitalize on a couple chances. You know, their goalie made some key saves at key times, and uh, you know, that's just the way it went. As far as vets go, though, I'd imagine starting to look forward to uh, to seeing it drop for real on Wednesday yeah. night. Do you start to get that sense? Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, you know, I feel like we could maybe cut these preseasons down one or two games, and you know, if, if, uh, if I'm being completely honest. But like I said, it's an opportunity to get ready, and, you know, you're not going to love everything that happens. So, uh, you know, it's uh, you got to fight that adversity and try to work on it, and that's what we're going to do. There you go, Nazem Kadri, who uh, I think that um, many would agree that yeah, if you wanted to cut some preseason games, uh, that'd be all right. Uh, but no more preseason games until next year. Uh, eight down, zero to go. Now it's all about the next 82 for the Calgary Flames. Wednesday, they open the regular season against the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, that's our uh, final look inside the Flames locker room. Well, we heard live from Rasmus Anderson from Vancouver. Also have heard from head coach Ryan Huska, along with Nazem Kadri and captain Michael Backlund here on your Flames Talk post-game show. You don't get uh, post-game coverage uh, anywhere else uh, quite like this as your Flames Talk post game show. Uh, we've got you covered comprehensively after every single Flames game all season long. Uh, let's head back to the text line at 960 960. This from Derek and Cochran. Not Derek Wilson Cochran, another Derek and Cochran. There are two. There are not. There's only two Derricks and Cochran. This is the other one. Uh, Derek says, are you concerned that Huberdo was near invisible tonight, or would you chalk it up to line mates or it being preseason? I didn't see his line do much of anything in the third. So am I concerned? No. Am I encouraged? No. The only reason I'm not concerned is because I've seen enough veterans not look great at any point during a reg- uh, preseason and then be just fine and ready to rock come the regular season. And Jonathan Huberdeau is an established veteran in the NHL. So in that respect, I'm, I'm not concerned. Where I am a little iffy, though, is I have not seen a lot of chemistry between Lindholm and Huberdeau. I'd throw Manjapani into that conversation as well when we're talking as a line, so I'm a little iffy as to what that's going to look like. I also know how hard, uh, how huge it's going to be for Huberto to have a bounce-back season this year. And so I don't get concerned really ever when it comes to veterans in the preseason 
the same way I don't get encouraged by veterans in the preseason, especially for guys with hundreds and hundreds of NHL games under their belt. It is what it is. The preseason is what it is. So in saying that, we all know how important this year is going to be for Jonathan Huberdeau. He needs to have a much better regular season. I still think he will. I just don't think there's anywhere to go but up after the way last year went. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how that line mate conversation goes, and it's going to be interesting to see how quickly it's going to click for Jonathan as things go along in this regular season. So I, I guess what I would say to you is um, I'm not uh, feeling concerned, but it's not like I come out of this preseason and say, okay, I'm super encouraged either. Uh, what else we got here? This from Everett. If Markstrom has another lackluster season, what do the Flames do with him in the future? Well, if uh, that is the if that is the question, um, sorry, if, if that is the um, if that is the eventuality, or if that's what ends up happening, uh, I think after four years, it becomes a little bit easier to seek out a trade. It becomes a little bit easier to even have the conversation about a, a potential buyout. That being said, I think he's going to have a much better season. I really do. I don't I don't think he's going to have a Vesna Trophy season necessarily, but I think he's going to have a much more characteristic season from the, based on what we are used to from him. Now you go back to the prior to the last 2 years. His worst ever year was last year, his best ever year was the year before. Go back to the 3-4 years prior to that. He was about a 9-12 goaltender. That's what I think we can expect from Jacob Markstrom this year. That's what we should expect from him. That's what I am expecting from him, and I'm feeling pretty confident that he will get back to that. Obviously, proof's in the pudding. We shall wait and see. If that doesn't happen, and if it's another tough season, then yeah, I think you can start to explore some options at the end of this season because once you're down into the uh, two years left type conversation, I think it becomes a little bit easier to do some different things there. Uh, this says, without a truly elite player, how are the Flames ever going to be better than mediocre? Watching Pedersen and Hughes tonight really magnifies how average the Flames' top players are. It's a fair question. They don't have um, the they they don't have that guy. There's no doubt about it. The way they're going to be able to be any more than mediocre is to follow the Vegas Golden Knights model. Now, I don't mean the necessarily the last night Vegas school last season Vegas Golden Knights model because last season they did have an elite player. His name was Jack Eichel, and he played that way. Um, and and but they had to trade for him. Remember, they had to. And they traded for a lot of stuff. Like they, they were very aggressive in chasing players. But the first year Vegas was really good. The second year Vegas was really good. The third year Vegas was really good. They did so without having a quote unquote elite game breaking player. The first three years of Vegas' existence, they went to a Stanley Cup final. They lost in the first round in that crazy uh, Jonathan Marcheseau major or whatever it was uh, that saw San Jose score the goals on the major, uh, on the on the power play, and they went to a Western Conference final. Um, it, it, they might have even gone to a, not another Western Conference final. Yeah, they went to two straight, did they not? Uh, my point being is they did all of that based on their depth, and they did all of that based on their wave after wave after wave type of attack, both at forward and defense. And so 
I think this Flames team compares to that in that I think the Flames, their best, and, and the way they're going to have success is by creating matchup problems because of their depth, by coming at you wave after wave, by being pretty consistent as you go up and down the lineup. That, I think, is going to be the way the Flames are more than mediocre or more than average. Uh, And that's not an easy thing to do. I'm not suggesting that that's easy, but that's the way they're going to do it. Brenda writes, classy of the Canucks to honor Snowy. Here, here, by the way, just an aside. Damn right, Brenda. That was awesome. Uh, Brenda then writes, I kind of disagree with the it's only preseason, they have nothing to prove comments. Guys trying to make the team had lots to prove. Veterans who said last season pissed him off also had something to prove. Huska sound cons- sounded concerned in the post-game interview. He didn't sound impressed. That's that's very true. And they are looking for some things to uh, progress, and they are looking at things that uh, maybe could be cemented in the preseason. I don't know if any of that happened. You know, when it comes to things to prove, I don't think veterans have anything to prove necessarily, but I still think you want them to use it positively in terms of getting themselves ready for the start of the regular season. We'll see if that's the case starting on Wednesday night. Great stuff today on the text line, 969-60. Really appreciate it as always. Let's head back to the phone lines for the final time on this Friday night. It's Steinberg along with you on your Flames Talk post-game show. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we say hello to James on the Flames Talk phone line. Sup, James? Hey, yes. Yes, how you doing tonight? Good, buddy. How are you? Good. I have one question for you. We haven't heard too much about Elias Linden. What's happening? Is he uh, already to sign, or do you know what's happening? Well, I think they're going to take another run at it here. I think in the next little couple of days, but between now and the start of the regular season, I think the two sides are, are going to take a run at seeing if they can get something done. I, I think there's a decent enough chance that they, they could do that. Um but I, I still think there's lots of exposure there that he might start the season without a contract. But I do think that because uh, right now he does not have a contract beyond this year. He's not signed as we're talking right now. I think here in the next, uh, you know, 48, 72 hours, they'll take another run at trying to get something done and we'll see how successful it is. I, I, I don't have a feel as to how successful that run will be and how successful that that next push will be but I do believe that both sides will take a um, a, a real genuine approach in trying to get something done I think both teams will genuinely try to get something done between now and the start of the regular season we'll see if uh, if it is successful or not yeah well I well I heard through the um, a different media outlets that he wants uh, he wants close to Huberto's, um salary and I don't I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he'll get ten point five. No, I think that if if he signs, it'll be around you know nine, give or take a hundred thousand, couple hundred thousand on either side. All right. Well, I just wanted to ask you about that, and I just want to say, I just want to say thank you to you to have a, to having a great program. And you're very knowledgeable, and you do a great job, and uh, you have a great night and happy Thanksgiving. Uh, you as well, James. Good to hear from you, man. Thanks, buddy. And uh, we'll wrap things up on the phone lines on this Friday night by saying hello to Jordan. What's going on, Jordan? How's it going, Patty? Good, man. Good. Um, I just got one question. I'm just wondering how and when do you think we'll see Dustin Wolf this year? Because I feel like he's going to play at least a few games, but I just don't know how or when he's going to get in the lineup. Um, I have not 
taken a deep dive into the schedule as to when, like, you know, the first logical times to bring him in will be. That was actually going to be a project for me here between the end of the preseason and the regular season. Um, so I, I think first half of the season, I, I think it's fair to target, like, five starts, though, like in the first 42 games, 41 games, rather, four or five starts. I think that's fair. Um, I, I think that they will pick and choose based on the Wrangler schedule, based on where the Flames are. Like, I, I think there will be some opportunities for that to happen. Uh, I think that, uh, that they're going to have to – let, let's see. They got to get their roster set to start the season. And you're like, well, thanks, genius. Of course they do. But what I mean by that is, you know, Craig Conroy and co have got to figure out how they're going to use LTIR. If there's a way to avoid LTIR, I, I don't think I see a way they can avoid dipping into long-term injury reserve to start the season. So that's going to, and then how long they'll have to be in LTIR. Um, th- those are, those are things they've got to figure out and that will make it a little bit more clear because, uh, they, even without these injuries, they were going to be super tight against the cap and it was going to be difficult for them to uh, maneuver some things. So having three goalies on the roster with their cap situation, even if they didn't have the Shillington situation and the two injuries would, would probably have not have been ideal. And now Pelche, Rooney, and Shillington are all going to be counting against the cap, perhaps, to start the regular season unless they go LTIR. Um, you know, it just makes it a little bit more complicated. So I, I think we will see Dustin Wolf get starts in the NHL in the first half of the season, even with Dan Vladar still on the roster and Jacob Markstrom still on the roster. I have not done the deep dive. I'm being perfectly honest with you, though. I have not done the deep dive as to, like, when the first opportunity would be. That was a project for the next few days prior to the start of the season. So you think Vladar will get a night off or Markstrom will just be sat for that night kind of thing? Yeah, like on, on that night, there'll be a goalie scratched. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll bring up Wolf. Uh, they'll have three goalies on the roster for a day or two. Wolf will get the start, and, and one of Vladar or Markstrom would back up that night. And and I think that there are nights when, from a straight-up rest standpoint, especially because we believe Markstrom will remain a workhorse this year, you know, sometimes there are nights when giving your goaltender and days where giving your goaltender the complete day off works. No morning skate, um, not not on the bench, watching from up top. Like sometimes there's a benefit to doing that too, and and there could be a residual benefit for Markstrom in that conversation. I definitely feel like that's beneficial for everyone on the team, honestly, to have a guy waiting in the wind like that that can just come up and play, and like you say, give the guy a night off. Well. I think I think there's a chance that it could be beneficial. We'll uh, we'll see yeah. how it all plays itself out. It's also a challenging thing to manage. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a really interesting, uh, I'll say, first half of the season at least when it comes to this goaltending conversation. And maybe maybe there's a trade that materializes. Maybe they're able to make it a little bit less difficult to manage. But it's going to be really interesting to see, man. There's definitely a lot of, a lot of maybes. <laughs> Yes. Yes, there are. <laughs> All right, Patty. Well, thanks for your time. Good to hear from you, man. Have a great night, Jordan. You too. 
Thanks, buddy. And that will uh, wrap us up on the phone lines tonight. Great stuff on the phone lines. Great stuff on the text line, as always. Really appreciated. Jeez, it's been a great preseason on your Flames Talk post game. Had some good calls, and uh, the text line's been popping off as well. So let's keep it rolling into Wednesday's regular season opener. Let's just keep it going, and uh, let's start off the regular season with a Flames Talk post game show already in gear. Cannot wait until that. For now, though, as we start to wrap up on this Friday night, it is uh, time for your final summary in a 3-1 loss to the Vancouver Canucks, a game where Vancouver never trailed. Vancouver opened the scoring at the 109 mark of the first period. Vancouver gets the uh, 1-0 goal thanks to Tyler Myers, his first of the preseason. JT Miller and Phil DiGiuseppe with the assists in 69 seconds in. It was 1-0 Canucks. Flames get that goal back at the 15-18 mark of the first period on Nazem Kadri's second of the preseason. Kadri from Jonathan Huberdo and Mackenzie Weger at 15-18. We had a 1-1 tie after 20 minutes of play. To the second period we go. Less than six minutes to go in that second period. Vancouver retakes the lead on a Teddy Bluger goal. Bluger on the breakaway with his first of the preseason makes it 2-1. Quinn Hughes the assist at 13:55. Canucks led 2-1. And then in the final minute of that second period, Vancouver would take their first two-goal lead on a DiGiuseppe goal. His second of the preseason from Brock Besser and Elias Pettersson at 19:13 to make it 3-1 Vancouver. That was your score after 40 minutes of play. No scoring in the third, so that was your score after 60 minutes of play 3-1 your final final shots were 32-18 Vancouver Flames finish 0 for 2 on the power play Vancouver 0 for 4 with the man advantage your three stars tonight number three Thatcher Demko number two Quinn Hughes and your number one star tonight with a goal and an assist Phil DiGiuseppe with the loss Calgary wraps up their preseason with a 4-3 and 1 record they open the regular season Wednesday at home to Winnipeg while Vancouver finishes their preseason with a 2-3-1 and one record. They also open their regular season Wednesday at home to the Edmonton Oilers. That is your final summary. And now for everyone involved in Flames Hockey tonight, for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson, and for our outstanding producers, Azam Nanji and Taylor Dingman, my name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up on our Flames Talk postgame show available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And that'll wrap us up from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio your local experts for basement waterproofing sump pumps crawl spaces foundation repair and radon mitigation for all things basementy visit dlbasementsystems.com yes uh, next up for the flames the regular season opener goes wednesday night note the start time 8 p.m which means we're on the air at seven o'clock with your calgary flames warm-up have a great weekend and the regular season friends is finally around the corner. Your final score from Vancouver. The preseason wraps up for the Flames with a 3-1 loss to the Canucks. This has been your Flames Talk post-game show available wherever you get your podcasts and this has been Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This is CFAC 960 AM Calgary, Alberta, Canada. A Rogers Sports and Media Radio Station. Flames Radio is only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Thanks for listening. Sportsnet.ca slash 960 has games and times for the next Flames Radio broadcast. This is a copyright broadcast. No retransmission, streaming, recording, or copying of the broadcast in any way is allowed without the permission of the Calgary Flames Hockey Club and Sportsnet. 
960. Calgary's home for the Flames and the National Hockey League is Sportsnet 960 The Fan.